0: savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping
1: flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime
0: on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
1: When you replace hormones in your system, you already have organs that are supposed to be producing these hormones. Now, for some reason, they're not. We're going to talk a lot about that. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, But when they're not producing, there is a feedback mechanism to your brain that is supposed to tell your brain they're not producing. And then there, a part of your brain called the hypothalamus is part of your brain that detects that it's not working. Then it tells your pituitary gland, your master gland, hey, you need to make more of this hormone where is estrogen and then it sets off this chemical reaction and then this ovary in this particular case is supposed to make it and um, when you start taking hormone replacement therapy one of three things is going to happen you're going to you're going to have the ovary itself begin to not make it, it being estrogen, you're going to have the feedback mechanism to the brain possibly shut down and break, if you will. And you're going to possibly have that mechanism in the brain become faulty. So these are three things that can happen from long-term hormone replacement therapy. I'm not a big fan of hormone replacement therapy as much as it is utilized. Certainly it has value in certain cases where people's systems that we just yeah, got, that I just got done describing have broken down for one reason, for a tumor, or for a, a, a cancer or maybe you've just had hot flashes for so long and and you've taken hormone replacement therapy for so long that it's broken down. But I just wanted to kind of set that background because the, the title is Going Beyond Hormone Replacement Therapy. Uh, a lot of folks come in here with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, they come in here with Lyme disease, they come in here with all different kinds of things. And in, in the females will frequently have Hot flashes. It's not why they came in here. Again, like I said in the beginning, this is like was a surprise to me. I was gonna have to like learn to deal with all this stuff, and um, and so it's interesting. But hot flashes and female issues are almost at the bottom of the hierarchical um, battle of what we do. Mm-hmm. In other words, what you're gonna find out is is that there's a lot of other things that are causing that. Oh, and by the way, it's not always menopause, and I hope that we're going to discuss that because this is going to be Dr. Gates' hot topic, as much as I'm blabbing away here. So these are going to be kind of the highlight stock. I came in, yeah, I had the hot flashes. I just figured it's menopause, but then again, I went through menopause like 20 years ago, and I'm still having hot flashes. And uh, and what can you do other for hot, hot flashes other than oh, take estrogen? I They did the test. I don't have enough estrogen. So, uh, or, or any any of the number of, of things that are done here. And in the alternative field, there's, there's a different approach, and we'll discuss that also. That That isn't really completely addressing your problem in the way that it could be addressed so that your whole physiology gets better. So hot flashes. I'm going to defer, at this point, I'm going to defer to Dr. Gates. Um, he chose the topic today, so I'm going to let him, Expound on hot flashes, what they are, and then we'll kind of go into what really causes hot flashes, and and how we have seen uh, what we have seen help to resolve them, not just on a short term but a long term basis, uh, generally without using hormone replacement therapy.
0: Okay, so relative to hot flashes, just know that's great. It's perfect. perfect. It's perfect. It's so nice having you here rather than me just blabbing by myself or. 35 minutes giving a presentation. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So He's more academic, actually, if you haven't been able to tell by now. Well, relative to hot flashes, um, just know that it's poorly understood by most of your doctors. They don't really know why they happen. They hardly even understand what is actually, yeah, the literature, what is actually occurring in the body. The literature, the research. And I'm not criticizing (laughs) your doctors. Yeah, these are the people who do nothing but research. Uh, menopause and hot flashes and things of that nature. The current theory is that it's a problem of the fight-flight response in the brain. We have two major sides to what is termed an autonomic nervous system, meaning it's involuntary. You don't have to think about it. So there are these hardwired responses that can come from our brain down to our body and send signals to our body to prepare us to either fight something like a grizzly bear or run away as fast as we can. And then there's another side that's termed the parasympathetic side, which is the rest and digest responses. The current theory on hot flashes is that because the ovaries are shutting down and not making enough estrogen, in an attempt to get the ovaries to work, the brain starts sending hormones from your brain down to the ovaries to get them to work. But also in that attempt, other hormones are sent, other hardwired signals are sent to your spinal cord that cause us to have these fight-flight responses and therefore with a the fight-flight response, lots of times body temperature can go up, blood vessel diameter can change and that can cause the sweating sensation as well as the flushing sensation associated with hot flashes. So that is basically what a hot flash is in a nutshell, but we're going to go into it in much greater detail in terms of okay so what is the medical treatment for hot flashes which we've already alluded to and then really what are the natural treatments that are really really important that we seem to be getting some really awesome results with across the board I mean we've only had one patient in the last four years who has had to go on hormone replacement therapy Uh after going through our protocol so that's that's a fact yeah so it's pretty good so relative
1: to that explanation what might help is if you understand the fight-flight mechanism as a stress mechanism You can almost, as we discussed this, when we say fight-flight, you can think in terms of fight-flight, you can just substitute the word stress. (laughs) Okay? You're stressed, your brain starts firing, over-firing, preparing you to be able to fight the tiger or run from the tiger. In theory, it's a primitive response.
0: The one thing I'd like
1: to point out about that is that response is only supposed to occur for... a. Approximately 20,
0: 20 minutes at most. Yeah. Minutes
1: at most. Now there's a great many of our patients who come in here who are in that fight flight mechanism twenty four hours a day and have been in that fight flight mechanism for years. Twenty four hours a day. You can't fall asleep. You can't. You wake up. You can't go back to sleep. Your mind's going a million miles an hour. You know. You're all. You're, you're so. So you. You know. You may have anxiety. You may have a short fuse, those types of things. But the bottom line is, is that mechanism is is affecting your system and your hormonal system 24 hours a day. And it's supposed to be calmed down by the rest and digest part of what Dr. Gates says. So so let's say you have the little – and this has a lot to do with hot flashes. so I don't think I'm – don't think I'm getting off on anything okay but it's the little old lady who's walking along and she sees her granddaughter under her car and she goes over and she picks up the car the kid gets out from under her, she drops it and she looks around and goes what happened how did that happen that's the fight flight response that's how powerfully I want to I want to indicate that's how powerfully it can affect your system those things have happened those things are real um, it took only a maybe 30 seconds or less for her for, for her fight flight mechanism to give way to the rest digest mechanism if you're watching this or you're going to watch this and you have hot flashes your rest and digest mechanism is probably never really completely kicks in and so this is a key because we're going to go to one more part I'm trying to set this up so that you understand because a lot of you have gone to alternative practitioners and, and nothing wrong with that I A lot of people consider us alternative. I don't really consider us alternative, but a lot of people do. Um, And when you go to those practitioners, you're gonna hear a lot about adrenal glands in general. In general, the mantra of the alternative practitioner, although it might be changing a little bit, is you can't fix anything unless you fix the adrenals. Um, Frequently, that is the wrong target. Frequently, you can't fix the adrenals unless you fix everything else. If you have a stress mechanism, and you have a bad gut, and you have a bad thyroid, we're not gonna, we might get into a little bit of that today because to fix the adrenals, you've got to fix all the stresses, not just The adrenals are your stress glands. When you go into this fight flight mechanism, the stress mechanism, it causes your adrenal glands to do a lot of things. It causes it to put out too much cortisol. It causes it to put out too much adrenaline. We're not going to get into that whole thing. But there are other things that it causes it to do that lead to you having these hot flashes, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about. So if you're in this 24 hours a day your adrenal glands are fired up now we got now we get into life <laughs> we go into menopause which is a very stressful 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 environment for the female body your adrenal glands kind of start to uh, crap out if you will my my term I like that term for some reason um, They kind of crap out I use it with my patients a lot um, uh, it, it, it Now you have set yourself up for a bunch of things. And one of the biggest ones that a female of menopausal or perimenopausal or postmenopausal age uh, has set themselves up for is the hot flashes. So it's brain, I want to point out, it's brain, brain, yeah, it's brain. It's stress in your brain that is not being dampened, and and it's physiology. Um, And a lot of it has to do with your adrenal glands. And other things that are negatively affecting your adrenal glands. So mm-hmm. I think that kind
0: of really, yeah, I think you drove you, that point home. That was perfect. was a great I'm trying to give you a wide net to cast here. Now. Absolutely lay explanation of the stress response. Yeah. I'm with you. And you know you were talking about the adrenal glands making too much cortisol. So in all of these studies in the literature, and we're talking about every study on the face of the planet that we can now see uh, in a database. They're they're just completely confused because they know that if they give someone with hot they being the medical model. they being the medical model, which we are not criticizing, we say it every week. We have great respect for the medical model; it works awesomely for certain things. Um, and they will admit that they have a hard time and, and we, in and this engage, arena. Yeah, and we engage medical doctors. Absolutely, we have medical in, doctors in this office, so yeah. it, it takes a team. Uh, and in fact, in the literature, they frequently cite we need to look to complementary and alternative therapies in this particular, in this particular situation Absolutely. because the side effects of taking hormone replacement therapy, which we haven't gotten into, are pretty profound, and everybody knows about it, and it kind of gets poo-pooed recently, like, well, if we only do it for three to six months, then uh, it tends to be safe in terms of breast cancer risk and things of that nature. Well, how many of our patients have been on it for three to six months and then is it discontinued? Like not at none of them. <laughs> <laughs> none. So, so no. most of the people on HRT are on it for a while, and it's dramatically increasing their risk of breast cancer, not to mention stroke, not to mention dementia. Yeah. I, there was an article out of the Journal of Neurology, I believe. It was pretty recent, and they, I think it was like a two- to three-fold increased chance of dementia with taking hormone replacement therapy. I mean, really interesting stuff. And so, saying all that, getting back to the stress response. The stress response, as Dr. Rutherford said, is something that a lot of us have all the time and we don't even realize it. We have many patients who are in their 50s and 60s where they've worked 68 hours a week. You know, now they're retired and they're completely exhausted. They're relaxing now. But lots of times their brain is still in that fight-flight response, and it's hard to reprogram the brain out of that stress response. It can be done, but it takes a lot of work. It can be done without drugs. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So then these hardwired responses like we've talked about from the stress response create the hot flash in the setting of decreased estrogen and progesterone from the ovaries. Now, the medical model is to give a woman with hot flashes estrogen and progesterone. And typically, that will alleviate their their symptoms. The estrogen comes from uh, horse urine, if you want to know. And the progesterone, is called medroxyprogesterone. It's just a chemical derivative. Now, relative to the stress response, again, we got to look at the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys. They produce stress hormones. They produce just a number of hormones. I mean, some... Big-time researchers in neuroscience and endocrinology say that the adrenal glands are actually the most important gland in the body because uh, they really keep us alive in a lot of circumstances. Now, cortisol has the effect of being a stress hormone; it raises blood sugar, you know, for fasting things of that nature. But the adrenal glands are also responsible for making things like DHEA, a certain amount of estrogen, a certain amount of progesterone.
1: What I think it's important to understand is in a stress response, is that these adrenal glands, most people know them as stress glands, okay? And, mm-hmm. and that point is getting well hammered home. But I don't think, I think it was a surprise to me, quite frankly, when I first really studied the adrenal gland to find out that it, the adrenal gland made many of the precursors. Your hormones are made out of uh, cholesterol. Most, you statin fans out there, okay? <laughs> who think statins are, are great, okay? they kill cholesterol. Those of you who think cholesterol is bad, it does a lot of things. It makes like, up like 50% of your brain, uh, 60% of your nervous system. It makes all of your cell walls. Um, it's fairly important. And it, it makes and it's a part of making all of your hormones. And along with some of the precursors that are in the adrenal glands, it makes your female and male hormones. It makes your estrogen, your progesterone, and your testosterone. So if you're stressed, if you're stressed, and you have female issues, <laughs> there's a good reason to believe that the stress may be altering your ability to make hormones, especially if you're on a low fat diet and you're taking statin drugs. And I just threw that in there as kind of a it is kind of a professional joke, but it's not a joke. These are the types of things you need to evaluate when you're evaluating somebody who comes in on hot flush. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. So, uh, and again, I'm just trying to bring it down to a to a kind of a lay person level, so that you can understand this. So that if you take this information, and you're talking to your alternative practitioner, you're talking to your medical doctor, you you could actually, you know, converse with them and say, Hey, listen, this is this is what I'm telling you is the facts. I'm not I'm not making this up. Okay.
0: It's almost like translating French into Spanish into English. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> so the literature is its own language, and I have to translate that into what I'm saying here. And then Dr. Rutherford is just wonderful at translating it into really the jargon that everyone else is going to understand. Because that's you. That's everyone you. Everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> Am I accurate in saying that? Yeah. Okay. And so the adrenal glands, as we were saying, make stress hormones, but they also make a lot of other hormones. So We're seeing that once somebody is in menopause and they're having these hot flashes, they're typically making too much cortisol or the ratio of cortisol to these other hormones involved in uh, their term sex hormones like DHEA, progesterone, a little bit of estrogen. Those are not being made enough because your brain is in this stressed out state. So It's saying, okay, put everything into the stress hormones. Meanwhile, now your ovaries have shut down and then now your adrenals aren't making anything either. So it's no wonder that you're having hot flashes and that they're completely uncontrolled. And you've been stressed out for fifty years. <laughs> and that's your brain's hardwired response then. Yeah. So that's what I'll say on that. I'll let you continue. we have we can go into blood sugar and a number of other things here pretty soon.
1: Well, why don't you
0: okay, so the basic
1: hot flash is oh uh, let me just we okay. The basic hot flash is you get stressed, you go into this fight flight response. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't catch the the, the, um, uh, the study that you were
0: saying. Relative to the brain and what they are talking Re- about? Yeah, relative to the
1: fight-flight syndrome and how it created the hot flash in and of itself.
0: Okay. Want me to go back through that?
1: Well, I do because I wanted to delineate for the patient. And I, the the mechanism between, for example, you can, I have a lot of people come and and they say, well, I think I'm getting hot flashes. And I say, well, do you sweat? <laughs> do you feel, like, hot inside? Or what is it? Do you just sweat? Or do you, like, have this, like, feeling of, like, every fiber of my being is about to, you know, be lit up by a match and I'm hot. Enough? If you're just sweating, um, it may just be an adrenal response. It may not actually be this response. And then in that case, the adrenals is the target uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit. But if you're... I guess I just want to repound home the point that there this mechanism where you get um, where you, where you go into the fight flight mechanism you stay there, then the um, that overloads the mm-hmm. spinal cord. It's, it's something called the intermediate lateral nucleus that goes down the spinal cord, and then that goes to the uh, adrenals, and then that creates the actual heat how.
0: So we have, like, say you're. Uh, these are the questions. That people okay, ask. fantastic. So say you're outside <laughs> on a cold day like today, standing naked. Eventually, you're going to start to shiver. Your body is trying to warm itself up, and those are hardwired responses coming from a certain part of the brain termed the hypothalamus, and they talk to you a little part of the brain termed the pituitary, and that pituitary will send hormones throughout the system to warm you up, as well as there are hardwired responses coming from the hypothalamus hypothalamus down to the spinal cord to do the same thing. Okay. Okay. So that's number one. And then we did you want to? No. Okay. And then the ovaries in this setting of hot flashes are now starting to produce less estrogen. And so the brain is getting confused. It's saying, okay, ovaries, come on, do your job. And so it starts sending signals to the ovaries to get the ovaries to produce more estrogen. But the the ovaries are saying, we've been doing this for 30, 40 years. We don't want to do this anymore. We're done. And so. Because of that, the brain starts to go into more of a fight-flight response and starts sending other signals to the adrenal glands as well as hardwired signals down our spinal cord to initiate a stress response in an effort to get the ovaries to try and start producing estrogen. So it's kind of like we're trying to go to the backup system, but it doesn't work. The problem becomes if the person's already been under a lot of stress for a number of years and their brain is in that pattern, now we're talking they're going into this – fight, flight, stress response on a whim now. And that's creating this hot flash phenomenon where they're getting hot, they're sweating, now their blood vessels are changing, their face turns red, all of these, maybe their face, maybe other parts of their anatomy turn red, and all these different factors. Because they know this because they see increased what's termed norepinephrine. It's just a chemical, it's termed a neurotransmitter, and norepinephrine goes up when people are in, having hot flashes as well as stress responses. So that is the basic exactly. brain neurochemistry of a hot flash. Okay.
1: And that's what I had wanted to be able to represent as to how that, what effect that has on, on the ovaries and the estrogen. Because the estrogen is where it's at. As far as, they, as, far as patients come in here, no. Uh, you know, it's menopause, I need estrogen. Right. That's, that's basically what you know. That is the pathway and the mechanism that has to be dealt with for your hot flashes to come under control. So
0: how do we do that? So how do we do that? We've observed clinically that working with the adrenal glands, the stress glands, again, has been the, the deciding factor in allowing patients with hot flashes to get better. In working with the adrenal glands, what we've been doing is that we have allowed the adrenal glands to work better so that they can make not only more cortisol but more of the other hormones, as I talked about, that are not being produced, these sex hormones, because everything was going into the stress hormone cortisol. And we actually can supplement people so that they have more precursor, to, which is one biochemical pathway before making cortisol, so that they can make cortisol but also things like DHEA and progesterone. And then we can supplement with a few of those hormones as well, or we refer the patient for medical intervention for these hormones over here, these sex hormones. And with that, we've observed just the most striking changes with hot flashes. Coupling that with calming down the stress response from the brain. So it's kind of like Where is your engine revving at? Is your engine revving at 3,000 rpms when you're driving down the free freeway? Or is it revving at 9 to 10,000 rpms? If it's revving at 9 to 10,000 rpms all the time, that's a problem. The analogy here is that 9,000 rpms is the stress response of the brain of most people with hot flashes. So it only takes a little bit of drop in. Yeah, your threshold lowers and now, where before you wouldn't get upset, now you. Exactly, so you're always there. And so you, you lose a little estrogen and then wham, you initiate the response for a hot flash, the stress response. What we do is we calm the brain's response to stress down so that the threshold there is not as high all the time. And we do that in conjunction with working with the adrenal glands. And we've just had phenomenal changes relative to hot flashes.
1: Okay. And, and I was actually writing something down here.
0: So, you, so,
1: oh, so if I repeat any of this, forgive me. Stress response from the brain, and did you indicate that that could be done without Xanax? And not, it can be done okay. without
0: Xanax. I did right. not indicate that.
1: And that's okay. We'll talk about that in a second because there's a lot of really cool things that are so my you – know, sometimes we, we strive here to try to make the treatments pretty simple because if they're simple, people are going to do them. And if they don't take an hour to do at home, and if you don't have to become a Zen yogi, which is fine. Don't get me. I'm I'm all, I'm all over meditation. Okay, I think it's phenomenal, but I mean, most people aren't going to spend ten years figuring out how to go into a meditative state. Um, so that you need more. Uh, you need tools that are that are a lot more doable for the patient. And, and Dr. Gates and his colleagues have developed. his one main colleague for uh, Dr. Carrick. Have developed the um, pretty pretty basic. You'd be surprised. We might even show. We might go show them one or two or something like that. I don't know. Okay. I show people the ones with the legs. <laughs> and they always laugh. They think. I say, no, that this is whatever, and they do it, and it works, and they're surprised. But that main stress needs to go down. I didn't catch because I was I was writing something down. I heard you talk about DHEA and mm-hmm. the, what types of things did you say we were using
0: successfully? Relative to the precursor to cortisol and DHA, as well as the DHA and the other hormones. Okay. So we may use those. There are certain things we can use on a supplementation basis, and other things we have to refer okay. patients for. And the, but the point I would like to make is,
1: we work. Our goal when patients come to our office is to get their body back to homeostasis. get it back to balance. There is an exquisite balance that your body craves. And when you get to that balance, things work, you do well. You either get sick, you don't don't get sick, or when you get sick, you get out of it real quickly. You don't get the things other people get. You don't get fibromyalgia. You don't get chronic fatigue. You don't get any of that stuff, okay? But there's a lot of things attacking that balance. And those things attacking that balance are stressful. And when people think of adrenal glands, they think of stress glands, specifically relative to the fight-flight stress mechanism that you're talking about. I'm stressed; it's stressing my adrenals out. But I think what we have found to be most successful is most of our patients. Again, let me go back and say most of our patients don't come in here for hot flashes. I, I mean, I can almost think of nobody that's coming here for hot flashes, and we've treated hundreds of them. Okay, because the fibromyalgia patient. Doesn't have the precursors, so they're under a lot of stress. Their pain is causing stress on their adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. Most of them, most of the five, I'm just, I'm just using one example here. So forgive me, but I'm using fibromyalgia as an example. Most of them have an autoimmune thyroid called Hashimoto's. We've done, a, 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 we've done a, a presentation broadcast on that. You, you can access, um, and uh, Hashimoto's is stressful. To the adrenal gland. So if you don't calm that down, um, you're going to have a tough time, even with the even with the protocols that you just got the uh, mentioning. Um, most of them have gut problems, and specifically small intestinal problems where they have um, food allergy. Food allergies stress you stress out the system. That stresses out the adrenal glands. This, since This is one of the one cases where if you don't fix the adrenaline, you don't fix anything else. Um, And I made the comment, well, but I think it's the wrong target. This is what I'm talking about. It's the right target, but you need to fix everything that's stressing that gut. If you have a parasite in your gut, if you have uh, intestinal permeability, the now famous leaky gut, creating these food allergies, if you have celiac, and every time you eat wheat, it, it, it creates an inflammation. If you have inflammation, if you have infections, all of that, is also stressing out the adrenal glands. And it's been my feeling that the reason that the success rate um, with, the, with, the, with the methods that we're using is so high with the methods that you discussed just now is because that's all being true taken out. Protocols, yeah. And now you have a much clearer picture of what needs to be done with the adrenal gland.
0: That's an awesome point. And mm-hmm. I'm saying that because
1: I, I do, I think one of our biggest challenges as physicians today in getting people better, and we talked about this briefly yesterday, was is patient selection. In fact, we talked about it last night. Um, those of you who had surgeries that haven't worked, I've had the chance to observe a lot of surgeries, and, and female surgeries too. <laughs> and um, patient selection, I mean, I, I, the doctors need to do a better job at determining whether you look like you're going to respond before or not. That's kind of what I do here. I kind of do the initial consults and try to determine whether the patient feels like they would be a good candidate for what we do. And I really think that patient selection has a lot to do with it. And then once you have a patient so properly selected, I really think that calming this system down and then applying the methods that Dr. Gates just uh, alluded to briefly, I really think it's labor more, more labor-intensive, it's a little bit more tedious, it's a lot more tedious. But you know, what? it gets the job done, now and long-term, and then it gives the patients the tools to stay better without
0: hormone replacement therapy most of the time. Yeah, you made an awesome point there, and that's something that's not talked about in the literature. Literature, you know, everybody, we still have this test tube idea of, of disease where, okay, hot flashes, okay, estrogen and progesterone, okay, maybe there's some blood sugar involvement. But, you know, it's like one or two or three variables. That's all they can really do. Whereas, when you're dealing with a patient, you may have 10 variables. We talked about it, I believe, or more. Our, yeah, <laughs> or more, in one of our autoimmune videos, I think, where we were referencing kind of a checklist that Dr. Rutherford and I work with in our heads, working with a patient. Frankly, it was created by Dr. Vasquez, who needs uh, ample credit for it. Where we give it to tell <laughs> him a lot. Yeah, we do, because he's, <laughs> he's the man. And so we look at food what is somebody eating? How often are they eating? What types of foods are they eating? We look at infections, as Dr. Leffert said. That may be a parasitic infection in the gastrointestinal tract, maybe a viral infection in the thyroid, maybe a bacterial overgrowth in the first part of your small intestine. We look at all of
1: which stress out your adrenal
0: glands. All of which, yeah. Look at your nutrition. Are you getting the right vitamins? We look or at food allergies. We look at your energy producing capacity, which we haven't even talked about here. We haven't even gone into the mitochondria, but they're the the powerhouse of our cells, and they make ATP, which is energy. You can't have
1: that homeostasis. Right. If you can't make enough energy for your cells to fix themselves, you can't create the balance in your body that you need to get well.
0: That's really the essence of what we do. And guess what the compensating mechanism is? It's the adrenal glands. (laughs) We're in that environment. We look at stress. We look at hormones. We do look at hormones. We're not completely against HRT, as we said, but...
1: But and it's used,
0: overused, probably 90% exactly. or more. And we look at toxins. I mean, we have a patient right now who has been to three specialty centers. We're talking top uh, of talk the about. world centers. Yeah. And it ended up being she had a heavy metal problem. Now, yeah. is that all of our patients? No. Do we do chelation on all of our patients over the them? No. But you have to look at it. But for this patient, was that the factor? Yeah. And she looks like a different person, and she has her life back. And she probably would have been dead in a year. That's what most of the doctors were saying. And now she's, she's awesome. So all of those factors- Which was stressing her. out
1: her adrenal glands. <laughs> we <laughs> didn't ask her, her but she through. might have been having hot flashes. <laughs> I don't know if she could even she tell. Had, I was going to say she, she was, she was so sick, she had too many things going on.
0: So that is the setting we're working in. And that's why we seem to impart some pretty large success rates. Now, one thing that is talked about in the literature is blood sugar. Let's go into that. So relative to hot flash, uh, hot flashes and patients with hot flashes, They're now seeing that functionally low blood sugar as well as functionally high blood sugar. So meaning, you haven't ate for a while. You probably have functionally low blood sugar versus you just had a a bowl of spaghetti and a loaf of bread that's functionally high blood sugar. Those circumstances predispose people to hot flashes as
1: well. So if you haven't eaten and you get irritable and shaky and all that type of stuff and kind of nauseous, that's what he's talking about. You eat the pasta you know, three minutes later you're doing this number, both of those are affecting your adrenal
0: glands, ultimately potentially leading to your hot flash. Exactly, and that's exactly it. It causes the adrenal glands to produce too many stress hormones, it initiates the fight-flight response in the brain and therefore we get a hot flash. Now at this point I think we should talk about DHEA. Now DHEA is the one thing that the medical research is discussing relative to getting away from hormone replacement therapy. However, You know, much of the time when you have a cheap therapy like that, it doesn't gain a lot of traction in the mainstream medical community. Not a criticism, just a fact. So what they're seeing with DHEA, which is produced in the adrenal glands, which will not be produced from the adrenal glands when somebody's been stressed out for their entire lifetime, is that the DHEA has the capacity to be converted into estrogen and progesterone. And they're now showing that you can give someone with hot flashes DHEA by itself, and it can help to a certain degree, like giving you estrogen. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a precursor mm-hmm. to it. But again, along I, with cholesterol, <laughs> I hope from this entire broadcast, everybody listening has an idea that even though DHA can be of some benefit, it's not the answer again because there's so many other factors going on with the hot flash victim, from the brain to the stress response to the adrenals producing the wrong hormones to to your alterations, to everything we talked about relative to food infections, nutrition, uh, hormones, toxins, everything.
1: Yeah, I think really, I think really the, is, is we're chatting here, I mean really the ultimate point is, if you're sitting here with hot flashes even if you have low estrogen, unless your ovaries have completely kicked out and your adrenals have stopped working, okay, hormone replacement therapy is a temporary stopgap. Going back to what Dr. Gates indicated about the, what is it, three to six months they're saying now? Yeah, oh, okay. safe. So I think the Endocrine Society website says something like 60 to 90 days. I, I I, you can check that, okay. But the point being, it's not long. Because it has all these severe side effects, if you go along, we've people that come in here have been on for 20 years. So, um, but I think the thing that would probably represent what we're trying to say to you the most is, um, in a lot of ways, we don't really treat hot flashes. In a lot of ways, people come in with all these other things: peripheral arthritis, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, even even migraines. How stressful is that to your adrenal glands? Okay, even migraines and and oh, menopause. I'm in menopause. I can't lose weight. In you know, all these different types of things, and as you start to knock down and, and correct the different aspects of each one of those blood sugar in one, thyroid in another, adrenals in another, not adrenals, but but gut problems in another, different types of CIA. All of a sudden, without even getting frequently to the part of having to give DHEA, um, a a good percentage of these folks, their hot flashes go away. Mm -hmm. Without even getting to the hormone replacement, the DHEA, there's other good supplements out there that you can use for uh, regulating uh, uh, hormonal issues in females and males. But we, and we have them. But our goal is first to see if when the body starts synchronizing, if the hot flashes go away without even getting into any of that. Now, I, I couldn't give a percentage because I'm not out there um, with you. Uh, what would your percentage be of people who even you didn't even have to get to the point of giving them DHEA or any oh, of any, yeah. any of the... Uh, not to advertise, well. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably 40 to 50%. Okay, so 40, 50%. So 40, 50% of you can get rid of your hot flashes simply by getting your stress mechanism compound. That's not so simple, maybe. It is and it's not. Dr. Gates can discuss that. And um, and then handling these other issues. Now, and this is kind of the way we work. This is why I think this, and I, this is why I would like pay people to start thinking out there in this world, okay? Because... Uh, you know, you're talking about food. You're talking about, you know, calming things down in your gut with stuff that that is very, very innocuous. Uh, there's, there's, so, so without specifically thinking, oh, my estrogen levels are low. That means I got to take estrogen. Um, know that if you take steps to get yourself cleaned up and in good shape, that frequently that'll go away. Then the next step would be to utilize the procedures that you're talking about with the DHEA, uh, other precursors. There's other there's other supplements that can be used. I'm, th- I'm basically referring to the Apex stuff. We happen mm-hmm. to use a lot of Apex right. stuff. We're not saying they're the only guys, but we've found them to have really good supplements. They're not the only supplement that we use either, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, I'm relative to some of the uh, ingredients and, and herbs in those. And now if that doesn't ultimately work, it may be that your adrenals or your, your ovaries particularly, may be atrophied. I mean, if you've been taking hormone replacement therapy for 20 years, your ovary may not be producing anymore.
0: And you know, the interesting thing is that I mentioned there was one who has not improved in terms of their hot flashes in four years. Actually, now I reconcile back there have been two. And both of those were in persistent, stressful circumstances. And they both, meaning one is, has an extremely stressful job and the other one for marriage was... I should say it was kind of on the rocks. (laughs) She didn't feel like she could fully express herself, and she kind of felt mentally beaten down. And we saw in those cases when they had some alleviation or when they weren't with the stressful husband or they weren't at the stressful job, the hot flashes came under complete control with what we were doing, even with their ovaries being completely shut down, even with their adrenals being shut down. So stress is such a huge factor in all this. Clinically, that we've observed, the research is now starting to show it, um, but lots of times, clinically, we're observing stuff that's not going to get into the literature for 10, yeah, 15, 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. And the stress
1: cannot be overstressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this stress mechanism isn't just a matter of going, okay, you're stressed. It's a matter of doing a complete neurological exam and determining how severe is it? What parts of your body is it firing? Many times people come in here with, with, with a certain problem. Now we don't get a lot of people coming in here as I stay with hot flashes, but we have pe- we would have people come in here with hot flashes and find out they have purple Well, that's a se- that they have severe stress. Okay, so that helps us to understand what that patient is up against. And all I'm trying to do is draw to you the fact that hot flashes are not about hormone replacement therapy, at least particularly not right off the bat, because hormone replacement therapy doesn't. Address any of those things, and then allows those. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to the table. <laughs> and it doesn't address any of those things, and it allows it to perpetuate, right? And the hormone replacement therapy actually now puts you in a position where you're going to be dependent on that for the rest
0: of your life. Exactly, you're not to the cause of the problem. So, for those of you out there suffering with hot flashes, we know how miserable it can be. We are not in your shoes. It can be miserable. It can happen every five minutes, every half hour. You don't know it's happening, it happens in the middle of the night, it wakes you up, you can't sleep, it drives you crazy. I mean, we've heard it all. Now, by the end of this broadcast, I think that you should know the underlying mechanisms. We think you should know the underlying mechanisms behind the hot flash in terms of how important the stress response is relative to a person being predisposed to getting hot flashes, as well as the relationship of hot flashes to the adrenal glands which you probably have never heard about and so that you know that you don't necessarily have to be you know bound to taking hormone replacement therapy for the rest of your life therefore increasing your chance of, uh, of a stroke, increasing your chance of dementia by two to three times and increasing your chance of having breast cancer.
1: If you're, if you're enjoying this then then you know please don't miss next week Next week is kind of a big, big deal in most people's uh, uh, journey to wellness. So, okay, that's it for this week.